Pray with me, please. Amen. Father, Amen. let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. And let us all say, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. amen. and amen. amen. There is only one true thing. From pool parties, the cookouts, the family union, hospitality abounds on this 4th of July weekend, would you say? And you know, that hospitality, at least for me, it's got to be on point. The ribs can't be burnt. The chicken, it cannot be too dry when you take it off the grill. And let me make sure you know, I love potato salad. And if you mess up the potato salad, the whole thing is not going to work. Yes, from pool parties, the cookouts, the family reunion, hospitality abounds during the 4th of July weekend. Now, Christian hospitality is what's something I want to talk about today. Christian hospitality is sometimes the most misunderstood thing in the church. Christian hospitality is not entertainment. Simply put, Christian hospitality is meeting a stranger and embracing them as a neighbor. Christian hospitality is not a transactional relationship. Well, hospitality is given in exchange for something else like money. When I stay at the hotel at the Hampton Inn up on Broad Street, they are really nice to me as long as I give them what? Money. That is not Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality is being with someone and helping them regardless of the consequences or regardless of what we get back. Now, Jesus of Nazareth, our Lord and Savior, is an itinerant teacher of the redemptive message of the Lord. Now, what do I mean by itinerant? He goes from place to place. Jesus is traveling all the time. He's going here, there, and yonder. He is not in any one place for long. Kind of like preachers in the AME church. And that's what our itineracy as being preachers in the AME church is built on. We are an itinerant preachers. My ordination, Reverend Tompkins' ordination, even the bishop's ordination is as an itinerant elder. Our church is based on the premise that Jesus did. He went from place to place to place doing his work. And in the three years of Jesus' public ministry, he traveled around teaching, healing, 
and saving different groups of people. Now, being an itinerant like Jesus was, not like me, but like Jesus was, there was no guarantee that you would have the comforts of home, a cozy place to relax, a very nice appointed office, really nice people in a pastor's aid club. All of those were not necessarily afforded Jesus. He had to sleep and eat where he could find it on the road. Now the verses tell us as Jesus and the disciples were traveling to Jerusalem, and that's what we're going to see in these teachings from Luke, they are going to Jerusalem. That's where they're headed. And we know what happens to Jesus when he gets to Jerusalem. And Jesus knows what's going to happen. And so they came to a certain village. And in that village, Jesus is going to encounter some sisters. Now I'm looking at the pumpkin sisters. And so Jesus encountered some sisters. Martha and Mary. Martha, as described in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, was known for her hospitality. And we're going to see Martha again doing some cooking a little bit later on. Martha is a gracious hostess. Martha is a fabulous homemaker. Martha is a wonderful cook. And Martha worked really, really hard to fix a tasty meal for Jesus. Now I'm wondering, Sister Brown, which one of your sisters in the Tompkins sisters is the cook, is the person with the hospitality? All of them. All right, amen. Okay. I'm an itinerant preacher. <laughs> An upset Martha came to Jesus saying, Lord, it seems unfair that my sister just sits there at your feet while I'm doing all the work. Please tell her to come help me. Now, is that a legitimate request? Yeah. yeah. We, I'm up here trying to make a tasty meal for Jesus. I'm doing all this work, and where is my sister? Sitting around at Jesus' feet. Sitting around where? At Jesus' feet. So I want to say that because many times in these verses, people give Martha a bad rap. That is not a bad rap. That isn't a reasonable request that she made. And also in the society at that particular point in time, women did not go around sitting with men as men were discussing religious things. That was a legitimate request. But here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus will take 
what seems to be a legitimate request and show you that it's not legitimate. Yeah. Will show you that there is an expansion judge of rights, not a constriction of rights. Jesus said this, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. There is only one thing worthy to be concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, the question is, what is this one thing that is worthy to be concerned about? Is this one thing worthy to be concerned about is the fact that now Mary gets to sit around with the men and listen to the religious talk? Is this one thing to be concerned about, the fact that, hey, Mary's going to eat that tasty meal too, and Martha, you made it all, and you cooked it all, and you're going to do all the cleanup too? It's the one thing to be concerned about that now Mary has status because she is now sitting at the feet of Jesus. No. The answer is the one thing that we should be concerned about is the word of God. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us this. That the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce and discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The one thing we should be concerned about, the one true thing that she found, is the word of God. Now, Besides the hospitality of this 4th of July weekend, this is also a time for us to reflect on what it means to be an American. And I wanted to sing these patriotic songs because if you look at the verses, these patriotic songs are really inspirational. They're idyllic. They're talking about America, America. God shed his grace on thee and crowned thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. That is an idea, but it perhaps is not the reality. And so what we need to do with the discernment of God that God has given us, what do we need to do with that discernment? because we found the one thing we're worthy of being concerned about. I have asked the Lord for discernment concerning the Supreme Court ruling and the Dobbs versus Mississippi case. That is the case that overturned Roe. And here is some of the discernment. Abortion is one of the most divisive issues of our time. And with God's help, he has come, he's helped me come to know that life, life, life starts at inception. And an abortion means that that life has been ended. 
However, the decision to have an abortion, like the decision to have consensual sex, should be an informed choice that a woman should make on her own. Amen. Without the government making her health care decisions. Amen. As Christians, we should be praying with and for women in this country Amen. who despite the court's decision will be getting an abortion, either in states where it's legal or in states where it is not. God has told me to pray not about whether the woman has an abortion, but rather to pray for her health, to pray for her safety, and to pray for her right to choose. Because the matter of the fact, the, the matter of fact is that if you have means, and you're in a state that has outlawed abortion, you can still get you one. You can hop on a plane. You can drive to a state where abortion is legal. However, if you're poor and you live in a state that has restrictions on abortion, like Georgia will be soon, you have no choice. So in addition to praying for the health, safety, and choice of women, God is telling me to pray for life. I'm praying for life because as we heard last week in this wonderful, beautiful Men's Day program that we had from Galatians 6, 9, it tells us not to get tired for doing what is good. So, for many, the hard work of doing good was rewarded with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Now states are free to restrict a woman's right to choose. But I'm also praying for life because Justice Clarence Thomas said that the Supreme Court should reconsider its past rulings, codifying rights to contraception, access to same-sex relationships, including same-sex marriage. Now, Judge, I noticed that Justice Thomas talked about stripping all of these landmark tasters, but he didn't say a thing about the Loving case. Now, the Loving case is the case that legalized interracial marriage. I'm just saying, okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Justice Thomas' final picture of him and his wife, and then you know what I'm talking about. Been waiting a week to say that. <laughs> Didn't get to say it last week. I'm praying for life because this sweeping suggestion by the court's longest serving justice, Justice Thomas has been on the court longer than any other justice, will spur those who are not tired of doing good 
to do some more work on behalf of projects to remove those and other hard-on rights. I'm praying for life because doing what is good is in the eyes of the beholder. Doing what is good is in the eyes of the beholder. And clearly, those who have been fighting for a restriction for abortion believe what they were doing was good. And they've been rewarded by the court decision. This is an outcome that has been worked for for years. And a strategy that combined religion, because there's some pulpits in America where the preachers are saying, hey, a good thing has happened. It has combined politics. A whole lot of candidates have raised a whole lot of money and got a whole lot of votes on this abortion issue. Now they're sad because it's gone away. And also rage. Because people will vote when they get angry and mad. I am praying for life because to the victors go the spoils. And Justice Thomas has provided the Martian orders for those spoils. And with a 6-3 majority and lower court judges in place, along with an army of people who will work on behalf of doing what is good. And the reward for doing what is good for them will mean that an AR-15 will continue to be available for all. The reward for doing what is good for them will mean decisions about birth control that will be governed by the government. The reward for doing what is good for them will mean that the government will determine who you love and will continue to restrict your right to vote. The reward for doing what is good for them will mean unchecked corporate power. And it will be undergirded by a white minority committed to keeping that power by any means necessary. The reward for doing what is good for them will mean outlawing any discussion in schools about the racist practices that white folks use to gain the power that they so effectively use today. Sister Gwen, I know it's difficult being a teacher these days because you just can't teach what you want to teach. You can't teach what's right. You got to teach what they tell you to teach. I pray for life because Galatians 6, 9 tells us not to get tired of doing what is good. Now that Roe has been overturned, those of us who believe in a world of freedom must define what is good for ourselves. Therefore, we cannot become, Sister Catherine, tired of doing the work. We must continue to talk about voting, even though it may seem like a broken record. 
we must continue to even put our own hat in the ring, even though we may get defeated at the polls. We cannot tire of doing the work for the good that we seek. Now let's get back to Martha and Mary, them sisters, okay? As I look at them sisters in our church. I pray that we all have Marthas in our lives. Providing hospitality as she did with Jesus. Because Jesus was in the midst of doing a whole lot of work. And that opportunity for respite, that opportunity to have a good meal, was something special. And I also pray that you will find the one good thing worthy to be concerned about. And it's not the United States of America. And it's certainly not Coca-Cola. It is the word of God. And because of Martha's Christian hospitality, Mary found it. And I pray that you will also. However, if you are still searching, perhaps distracted by the preparation, distracted by all the noise, distracted by all the shiny objects in front of us, to find the one true thing that's worth being concerned about. I want you now to pray with me. Father, I come as a sinner without direction, distracted by all the preparation and depressed because I cannot find the one thing worthy or worth being concerned about. Lord, I ask you to come into my life. Save me. Mold me. Make me into the kind of Christian you want me to be. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let us say amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, then your search is over. But your life with the Lord has just begun. And your life with the Lord is a life of service. Your life with the Lord is a life in which you will find that niche that is right for you. But your life with the Lord is more richer, more fuller, and will keep you from backsliding if you find a church in which you can park your salvation. Greater Bethel is such a church. And so, in just a moment, I'm going to come down and I'm going to hold out my hand and I would love for you to take my hand and give God your heart. But if you are listening to this message sometime later or you're watching it right now on our live stream or if you're watching it later on the videotape that we're making, 
You may say, well, how can I connect with the Lord? Well, really simple. I want you to give me a call. You can reach me on my cell phone, and this is my real number. You can just call me or send me a text. 608-358-1309. 608-358-1309. I would love for you to do what so many others have done as we have a conversation about your faith. Now for our benediction, which is a covering of God's grace until we meet again. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. There's only one true thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love and fellowship of his Holy Spirit, be with you, henceforth, now, and forevermore, let us say, Amen. Amen. Have a terrific week. Thanks, it's your faithfulness in giving to Greater Bethel that allows us to do the work of the Lord. There are three ways you can give to us. First, you can use Catch App by typing dollar sign Bethel 140. Second, you can give using Giveify, simply at a Greater Bethel Athens. Finally, you can mail your contributions in to Post Office Box 49773, Athens, Georgia 30604. Thank you and blessings.